Hello everybody, welcome to the Bitchin' Brew podcast, capturing conversations about music and miscellany over a hot beverage. My name is Danny Randon and as always I will be your host. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or Acast. I know we're going out a little bit later than usual, Uh, you can thank the tech gremlins for that one. This is episode number 12. Um, Thanks for listening and an extra thanks to everyone who showed their love for our last episode with Catherine Woods. I really was uh, chuffed to bits with how that came out and I stick by my belief in it being quite possibly the best episode of Bitchin' Brew yet. Um, it's been a very busy few weeks for me. Before we get started, I'll uh, you know, catch you up. Obviously, we spoke about the Great South Run, uh, which I did uh, back in October. We got some extra donations in for that after I uh, mentioned it on the podcast. So thanks if you helped us raise uh, money for uh, Winston's Wish, which is a sort of great and, and worthy charity that supports bereaved children and families. Uh, myself and my girlfriend Taz completed the run in uh, two hours and 20 22 minutes and 48 seconds if I can recall and we've managed to raise £1,130. We are uh, stoked beyond words about how much money we've managed to raise through that so thank you very much if you are one of those people out there who donated. Um, And now so the Great South Run's done it's been uh, you know moving on to the next big charity challenge for me. Um, It's been months and months of work going into it and it's all kind of built up to this week really uh, when myself and a few friends launched a new initiative called Drum for Ringo. Uh, Now we're doing this um, in memory of the same person I did the Great South Run for actually. His name um, was Nick Ringo Southall, Uh, we all just called him Ringo. And uh, I I think uh, if it wasn't for Ringo, I may not be doing this or, uh, you know, indeed sort of any of my creative endeavours. He was a huge inspiration to me. Uh, he was a drummer, amongst other things, a father, a son, a husband, um, a PR and social media expert, a band manager, and he is really sorely missed. So we wanted to do something really huge for him because we've been very inspired by the fact that he has a lot of friends and a lot of close family who have done, you know, countless things uh, to raise money for charity in his honour. So we were really, really inspired to do something, something huge. And that's what we're hoping to create with uh, Drum for Ringo. Now, it's a social media led charity initiative, I suppose you could call it. Uh, we're kind of taking uh, the same model from the Ice Bucket Challenge, which you may remember going viral a few years ago, except uh, the ice bu- it's different from the Ice Bucket Challenge in the way that it's a lot less cold but a little bit louder. And the way that we're trying to get people involved in Drum for Ringo is getting them to film a 30-second drum solo. Uh, now, that could be behind a full drum kit, or if you don't have a full drum kit or you're not even a drummer, you could take a pair of bongos, you could flip up some pots and pans, uh, you could take a pair of drumsticks to your radiator, if you, as one person has done already. Um, we've even seen uh, one person doing their drum solo on... Uh, a setup which consisted of a Savoy cabbage, a bag of sweet potatoes, a tube of toothpaste and a toaster. So really you can do a drum solo on anything. Do it on your own forehead, fuck it. I mean, um, you know, just make sure you're safe. Maybe don't do it with drumsticks, just do it with your hands or something. Anyway, perform a 30 second drum solo, film it, upload it to social media using the hashtag drum for ringo 
and then nominate three friends to do the same. Um, I've actually done my drum solo. It's on uh, the Drum for Ringo Facebook now, facebook.com forward slash drum for Ringo. And indeed, I would encourage you to take part as well. You don't have to be nominated. Just film your 30-second drum solo, put it on your social media, hashtag drum for Ringo, nominate three friends, and most importantly, sorry, I should have mentioned this, make a donation. I will put the link in the description of this episode, uh, smarturl.it forward slash drum for Ringo and all the money raised through this initiative is being uh, split between four charities which are sort of very close to Ringo's heart and also close to the hearts of some of the people who have helped organise uh, Drum for Ringo so those charities are Cancer Research UK Dogs Trust uh, Dementia UK and once again Winston's Wish the charity for bereaved children so yeah, we'd love to see you guys get involved. We want to see people all around the world drumming for Ringo. Uh, we've already raised a few... Uh, well, I know... I haven't looked at the kitty in the last uh, couple of days, but I remember looking and seeing that it is firmly in the triple figures, and that's since we launched on Monday. So that is, you know, obviously huge. So thank you to everyone who has already taken part. Hashtag drum for Ringo. Four being the number four, not the word four. Anyway, on to this week's episode which was recorded not too long ago now I like that we're back on track it was about three weeks ago now that we recorded this in Portsmouth I sat down with Joe Booley and Joe is the founder and sole guy behind Beth Shalom Records Uh, it's an independent label it was founded in 2014 I think Um, it's got sort of got a focus on alternative music as a whole there's some uh, emo indie atmospheric acoustic vibes too um, some of the bands that Joe's worked with that you may uh, have heard of include I Told You I'd Eat You. Uh, obviously, we've we've had uh, Joey on the podcast before doing the albums of 2016 special. He's also worked with uh, Pet Library, putting their debut album Pity Party out on tape earlier this year. Uh, he's worked with Drawstring, uh, The Yacht Club, Fugitive Orchestra, uh, Losing Sleep, R.I.P., uh, lowercase noises, uh, penthouse, the list goes on really. Uh, obviously, he likes to put a lot of these releases out on tape, but he has uh, branched out more into the uh, realms of vinyl and CD as well, and of course, digital. Uh, we talk a lot about the label and its origins, and uh, you know how independent and DIY labels are functioning through a sort of spirit of collaborating with one another. Um, but we also do go off into some tangents, otherwise it wouldn't be an episode of Bitch and Brew. There's some film chat, uh, we talk about some volunteer work that Joe did in Africa last year. Uh, it's a really super interesting and cool chat to have with Joe, actually. It's even cooler to listen back to this and pick up on things that I might have missed when recording, so that if we ever have him back on the podcast i found this a lot with the recent episodes if we ever have people back on the podcast uh, then we'll have new things to talk about which is always always good joe is also a very talented singer songwriter uh, as you may remember at the end of the last episode we played a track from his transformations ep uh, which came out earlier this year and uh, you know it's just a coincidence this, that this uh, this episode is coming out this week because as of today if you are listening to this uh, podcast hot off the press the 9th of november he starts his UK tour. Now he's heading out on some dates. Uh, first of all, with the band Curl, uh, Joe put out their Shapeshifters EP on Beth Shalom earlier this year. Definitely worth listening to if you like your brooding, atmospheric, 
uh, indie rock with some electronic vibes too, huge production on it, and he's going to be doing some dates as of tonight, he is at the Globe in Brighton, uh, on the 10th of November, tomorrow they're heading to The Social in London, and then they're back in Portsmouth on Saturday the 11th of November at The Loft. After that, Joe will also be heading out on some dates with the band Parachute for Gordo, uh, this is another band that Joe put a record out uh, on Beth Shalom earlier this year, it's called Pos- Possibility of Not. Uh, it's an EP that is essential listening if you love your uh, loud, scatty, experimental, indie, uh, garage rock, some uh, mathy emo vibes in there as well, which is really great. Now, he's going to be doing some dates Oop North with Parachute for Gordo. He, on the 24th of November, he's going to be at Falcon's Tap in York. Uh, on the 25th of November, he's going to be at the Meat Locker in Leeds. And then they're wrapping up that tour at Maguire's in Liverpool on the 26th of November. So if you happen to be listening uh, up in that part of the country, in the north, uh, then make sure you go out and see Joe and also Parachute for Gordo. Joe is uh, heading out on these dates to promote his new double A-side single, which we're actually going to play the first part of now, because it is a really, really beautiful bit of work from Joe, very experimental for him as well, as we were chatting after we finished recording. Uh, So we're going to jump into our chat with Joe Booley, right after this track from Joe Booley. Uh, It's called Outgrew. Enjoy. Because Yeah. 
I've, I feel like I should start this uh, like a bit of an apology because I got you to come down to Portsmouth thinking you lived in Portsmouth, fine, but you actually live in Borden, which yeah. is I suppose you could call it North Hampshire. I've never really I've never been to Borden, but thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm probably North Hampshire. I live almost directly in between Pompey and Guildford. So. Right. Thank you very much. Oh wow. So uh, my coffee's just come with a little take tasting card. That's wonderful. We'll talk about that in a bit, though. Yeah, I feel. Thank you for coming down to Portsmouth, though. That's right. You know, to South Sea. We're here at Home Coffee. Uh, on lovely Albert Road. It's a great little spot. Have you been here before? I haven't. I, I've been told about it many a times, mm. but I've never actually made it down. But. Yeah. I've, I've been here before once, but I felt like I could never show my face in here again unless I came in here with someone. Yeah. After, like, the first time I came in here. What happened then? Um, it was about a month ago. Uh, had to drop my girlfriend off for, like, a, a hairdressing appointment uh, just down the road. Yeah. But we... Uh, driven from where we were staying the night before in Worthing and we'd been out for my cousin's 18th birthday party in Brighton so it was a long drive back really early in the morning I was really quite hungover Uh, so I came in here to try and you know get some coffee and some breakfast and sort of try and feel a bit better and it was feeling fine until I sat down my coffee would serve to me I opened up my laptop and started to edit a podcast and then my stomach just kind of turned um so yeah, to spare the gory details, I dashed to the toilet, and when I came out of the toilet, I just kind of drank my coffee as fast as I could and left with my sort of head hanging in shame. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was not a good first experience, but I do like this spot. It's really cool. Like I was saying, they gave us some really cool tasting notes. Well, they did for me anyway. I mean, I wrote down what was in yours. You've gone for the golden latte. Golden latte. Yeah, yeah. which is one of their energy boosting drinks that doesn't actually have coffee in it um, oh, really? yeah it's, oh, I missed that it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's coffee free but it does have and I made a list turmeric ginger cardamom nutmeg black pepper pea and hemp proteins yeah so <laughs> and, you, and you had it with almond milk yeah it's getting me set for work later oh okay yeah so Joe welcome to the um, welcome to Bitch and Brew Cheers. So glad to have you on. Mm. So the first time I actually met was at South Sea Fest last year, um, yeah. when you did the atrium acoustic stage. Yeah, it was. Um, with I told you I'd eat you, and that was really great. The the sort of day that you put on there. Do you feel like it was a bit of a weird venue to do an acoustic staging, considering it's a cocktail bar? Um, in some ways, yes, and in uh, in most ways, I'd say it was almost the perfect venue, but. Um, I don't really know. It was, it was sort of a very last-minute thing. I was mm. given like three or four weeks prior to the um, the day itself to put together a lineup. Wow, that's not long at all. No, and I'm, I'm surprised I managed it. But <laughs> like, um, yeah, I think it was a really good venue for that. Especially the fact that a lot of the bands that I got to play. That was like one of the only acoustic sets they've ever done, and it was like a yeah. one-off for a lot of people. And seeing I told you I'd eat you like that, um, it was really cool. Absolutely amazing. To be fair, up until up until November last year, I'd never seen them perform as a full band. Mm. I'd only ever seen them play acoustic sets. Um, so I I've been used to that for years, but yeah, it was 
It was still a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I've only seen them perform as full band once, which was at um, So Punk Fest over in Southampton oh, yeah. last year, and uh, it got pretty messy. Let's just <laughs> leave it at that. I that suppose. doesn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. Although I'm kind of glad that I missed their um, their one-off new metal cover set. See. I, I was actually in, in London that weekend with my family and no way. I was begging my parents to let me go but we were on the other side of London and I, I realised like within half an hour that they would be on stage and so it just wasn't doable but then I ended up putting them on in London uh, in Tooting and they, they played their set and then I can't remember what song it was, but they smashed out one new metal cover, and that's like the only time since that they've ever done one, and it's like made my evening. I feel like it would probably never happen again. It was called, what was it called? It was called I Told You I Would. I Told You I Would Down Tune. That's it. Yeah, shit. I've got a patch with it. With, um, <laughs> it on. That's all. I feel like they may never do that again now. I, I don't think they will. That tooting show, was that the, like the all dayer with. Um, no, it wasn't, with Sad um, Blood, RIP, and Yibber. R.I.P. No, it wasn't. I, that was uh, Mouse Palooza or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wish I went to that, but it was like. Um, but no, I, I put on an evening there with. It was I Told You I'd Eat You, uh, The Yacht Club, Don't Worry, and um, a guy called Luke Crosser, who is the trumpet player for, yes, yeah, yeah. for I Told You I'd Eat You. He's actually. He's probably one of my favourite. Um, smaller songwriters mm. he's absolutely an incredible writer and yeah. his way with melody is incredible but so I put I put those four guys on and it was just such a great night right a lot of fun how are you finding your beverage by the way it's interesting it's Herbie <laughs> you were saying that you went to um, to Africa last year and since then it's just kind of been all these sort of herbaceous yeah. beverages yeah well I went to Uganda and they have um, a, they do African tea where they boil, um, they they don't use water, they boil milk, uh, the tea and I think it's nutmeg, nutmeg, ginger and cinnamon all together um, in one and it's just absolutely incredible, like no water at all. Yeah. Um, and so it's a lot nicer in comparison to just your yeah, average average pop yeah. in my opinion but I've, I fell in love with it and then realised that chai latte isn't far off so yeah. I've been having that a lot since have you, have you tried to sort of recreate it at home at all? I, I tried once it didn't work <laughs> uh, I'm not that skilled in that mm. area so what, what were you doing out in Uganda? Uh, I went out with a charity to an orphanage and um, wow. I, I taught, I was teaching ukulele and um, uh, drumming. So, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I went out there for, I think it was two weeks. So that, that must be like, I, I know people that have gone out there to have volunteered before and very fulfilling. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, but no, we were sort of we we went to two orphanages, but one of them we worked solely with for like one and a half weeks. So it was yeah. amazing to like get to know some of them and like yeah, just just an amazing experience that I yeah. recommend to 
anyone to do. Would, would, to would you do it again? Would you go out to maybe a, like a different country or...? I'd probably do it again. I, to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if I go to that same place. But um, I'd definitely love to do that sort of thing again at some point. Um, when time allows. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we go across the Atlantic Ocean, my, my coffee, my coffee's delicious. It's, um, so I've been told it's an exclusive micro lot, which basically means it's like a tiny batch of coffee, which is basically just been brought here, like exclusively for this place here. That's cool. Yeah, um, from Oaxaca. Um, not the restaurant that's in the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's called, and I'm probably going to uh, mispronounce this, it's called Mexico Finca Chelingacia. I've definitely mispronounced that. Um, I probably would as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the flavour notes say it's got a red wine mouthfeel, which I'm kind of getting, um, but I'm not necessarily getting the tropical fruit and jasmine so much. I, I asked for it with milk because whenever I have black coffee, I'm just kind of like. Like, start recording, like, especially yeah. when I'm doing a podcast, if we do, like, black coffee... It gives you a dry mouth. It really it? gives you a yeah. dry mouth, it's horrible. Coffee breath is the worst as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can do, like, a black coffee in the morning, mm. like, start the day off with that, but if it's any later than about nine o'clock, it has to be with yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to talk, obviously, a little bit today, well, a little bit, to a, to a sort of certain extent, I suppose... Um, about Beth Shalom. So, yeah. how long how long has Beth Shalom been a thing? Because I'm kind of going into this with knowledge of the bands that you have yeah. on the label, but not much knowledge about what's going on behind the scenes. Okay, so um, it, everyone will probably be surprised that it's actually free next month. So wow, um, it's sort of it started on a very low-key thing with uh, I, I essentially started it to release my own music and make myself look more professional um, and the sort of then stemmed into me producing bands from my college uh, including Lucid Rising who is on a poster over there oh, wow. um, and it started off just like that me putting out mates bands and um, for like a good year and then it got to, I think it was April or May 2016, and then uh, I released, I, I re-released, sorry, um, the the debut EP from the Yacht Club, and then that was that was my first ever physical release. So, in what what people would describe as the scene, people would only see professional records as only yeah. being a year or so old. But no, it's been going for a good three years and building up to this point. So, where, where does the name come from? Just out of curiosity, it's actually my house. Um, <laughs> Uh, my house is called Beth Shalom. Uh, it means house of peace in Hebrew. Uh, wow. So, and when I was producing bands, people were like, oh, what, what shall I put the studio down as? So I said, oh, Beth Shalom Studios. Because it was just my bedroom. And then, and then it just turned into like, oh, if I do a record label, make it in the house, like yeah. Beth Shalom Records. And then, yeah. Have, have you always been from Borden? Is that where, like, family yeah, is from? Yeah, no, I've, I've never moved house. Uh, <laughs> always lived there, so, yeah. But, so, I guess people kind of 
because Portsmouth is like the closest city to it, I suppose Guildford yeah. is as well, basically. You're basically yeah. like nestled between the two. Exactly. I suppose like saying that the label's based more or less in Portsmouth probably helps people kind of recognise it a little yeah, bit exactly. more. And I've promoted more in Pompey than anywhere else, so yeah. that's sort of where people would come yeah. come to me for, essentially. But yeah. Mm. What what kind of came first, the putting on the putting on the gigs or the uh, sort of starting the record label uh, definitely the record label um, I, I was putting on a few shows as a songwriter um, in like a local record shop but um, it was it was the record label which really set off like actually promoting shows I haven't done it for a while mm. but um, I'm getting back into it next month but yeah just putting on I used to do stuff at the festing down the road and um, yeah. then the Soundsea Fest at the atrium happens and then I've done a few in Guildford and one in London as well so it, yeah. it must be nice to kind of be between the two scenes because the Guildford scene I mean you've got the boys and failure by design yeah, up there and the GU1 punks and yeah. what have you so it's a great city to be close to yeah no definitely and I I run um, the Guildford branches so far in Guildford as well mm. in um, yeah so I'm sort of incredibly split between two places <laughs> so the first release on Beth Shalom so it was a digital release of your own stuff yeah um, and the Yacht Club was the first sort of physical release what was was that on cassette or was yeah that cassette um I think that was, I did all digital releases up until June last year, and I think the Yacht Club was maybe the 10th, 10th release on Bachelon Records, so I'd done quite a few previously, and yeah. then it, so it went the Yacht Club, and then I, I re-released the first Drawstring EP as well, um, and then all sort of went from there. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I guess when you've done those sort of ten digital releases and you know Beth Shalom starts to make a name for itself, that yeah. must feel really good. But did the uh, like started doing the physical releases like the cassettes and then obviously the vinyl? Did that co- kind of give a bit more yeah. creative gratification? Or? Yeah, definitely. It, um, I, I will admit I I got into the scene quite late and it wasn't until maybe early last year that I really got involved in um, the DIY emo punk scene. Mm. Um, but obviously I'd known I'd known Sad Blood Fresh and I told you I'd eat you I've, I've been gigging since with Joey when he when I told you I'd eat you it was just him yeah so I'd known I'd known of it for ages but never got involved in it and then suddenly I released two two cassettes and everyone's coming to me <laughs> When when you do the um, when you do like the, the the splatter cassettes, do you feel like that's kind of like a real? I don't know because no no two tapes are the same, right? Yeah, so no, it's... that must feel like a real sort of yeah, like this is going to be unique and this is yeah, going to exactly. be like the, yeah, no, no one else in the world is going to have this this exact cassette. No, it's exactly like that, and um, I, I find myself almost. When someone orders a splat cassette, I find myself looking through and trying to find the best ones for them as well. <laughs> <laughs> like taking them out of the, um, the cases and everything. Oh, bless. Well, thank, thank you, because I got that Yacht Club one the other day, and oh, I yeah. feel like it's, it was black autumnal splatter, yeah. which is basically just me all over it this time of the year. Yeah. Like, I, I love autumn. Oh. I, 
I used to live in Portsmouth, and I feel like this. I feel like the South Sea in particular is a really beautiful place to be in autumn. You know, you got the Victorian houses, and I know it sounds like so over romanticised, but with the leaves falling and with it being a little bit wet outside, but not yeah. like you know bastard rain or whatever. Yeah. I feel like it's just a real good place to be in autumn. Yeah, see, I, I made uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, I just like, I got really bored at home and decided to drive down here and I was just, I just came down to skate down the seafront and listen to music and yeah. it was like, it was absolutely amazing. It's like so, like the seafront is incredibly therapeutic as well. It's yeah. like such a nice place to be. Um, it's horrible park here though. Don't. <laughs> mm. How do you feel like the? Because um, when I when I was a student here, I didn't necessarily feel like I got massively involved with the scene as such as yeah. like a. It, it felt like one of those scenes where people would come to Portsmouth as opposed to people being from Portsmouth as such. Uh, I, I think definitely, definitely within the like punk scene, it's people coming to Portsmouth. Mm. Um, it's a lot like Southampton in that regard. Yeah, I I have a strange relationship with the Portsmouth scene. Music-wise, mm. like um, because you get you you find that is very much the same sort of bands that come yeah. out come out of Portsmouth at least. Uh, either they're quite psychedelic or they're indie, um, and, and you can say say much the same with um, places like Guildford and the fact that they have ACM. But a lot of the bands that come here, uh, like I, I supported Crywank a couple of weeks ago yeah. at the edge of the wedge, and like. The people that turned up there, it was like packed out. And that was, that was, a, an that was a trash show. art show, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'd never actually been to a trash art show, really? but their their name just seems like um, like legend around yeah. these parts. I used to play. Um, oh, I can't remember. It was a place that shut down. It was almost like the old student union. Um, I used to play there like all the time, maybe like once, possibly twice a month. Um, down near, it was down near Gumball. Uh, but was it the registry? Yes. Oh, Dude, that, yeah. pu- that place was the best. Oh, mate, I loved it so much. You know what? Every time I walk past the registry now, because in first year, my mate ran the pub quiz there, the Sunday pub quiz. Oh, and it was really cool, because yeah. you just, like, you would pay £1 to enter the pub quiz, or, like, £2 or whatever, like, a small amount of money. Yeah. And then all, um, every single pub quiz team would get, um, like, a free basket of their chips with like loads of dipping sauces and those were like the best double cooked chips like you'll ever ever have like better than better than five guys could ever do like it was the best their food there was amazing yeah and now it's student flats as as a lot of things around here are but you know it used to be a good venue like um i think trash house used to do I think it was every single Sunday they used to have something there. And I remember playing um, playing an all day there on um, May the 4th, which was all Star Wars themes. Do you yeah. really want to start a Star Wars chat? <laughs> have you watched the Last Jedi trailer yet? Every, everyone, well, I say everyone said, I had a few people who had watched it and I basically stopped myself from doing it because I saw a tweet from Ryan Johnson the director going yeah. oh yeah don't don't watch don't it. watch the trailer because it gives too much away and I eventually caved and 
Can, can we talk about this? Can we put a spoiler alert in and just kind yeah. of... Yeah, like okay. the scene between Kylo Ren and Princess Leia where it looks like Kylo's about Mate, to I, like open fire on the ship yeah. layers. When Carrie Fisher came on screen, I, like, I almost little tear like fell from my eye. My, um, my girlfriend sent me a video which was her dog... Who Gary Fisher? Yeah, the French bulldog. Yeah, he exists. Gary Fisher. Wow. Although I heard a rumor That's that there were actually two Gary Fishers, and that Gary Fisher didn't know about it. They just swapped out the dogs from time to time. No, um, a video of Gary Fisher watching the Last Jedi trailer and seeing Carrie on the screen and apparently getting quite emotional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Ryan Johnson might have just been trolling a little bit because I feel I don't think that I think they're cleverer than that if you're going to be told not to do something everyone's going to do it yeah that's the thing so yeah I wouldn't be surprised if he was trolling everyone but it it was like the trailer for it was like the trailer for It I don't know if you saw the new version of It in the cinema at all I haven't seen either version oh what not the Tim Curry version either I haven't seen the Tim Curry version in a long time but this version I know is infinitely better and really scary but that was a very well edited trailer because horror films are, are, you, are you much of a horror film fan do you sort of watch a lot of horror films yes and no mm. like sometimes I, I feel like they give the scariest bits away in the trailer yeah. a lot of the time with contemporary horror films um, but it the trailer was edited in such a good way that whatever you thought was about to happen because you'd seen that scene in the trailer didn't actually happen that's good <laughs> I like that it's just two scenes very well edited together in fact talk, talking about horrors have you seen a film called Hush Hush yeah no it's on Netflix and um, it's about this uh, it's about this deaf and mute girl who uh, she's like lives in solitude in the woods, um, and suddenly this serial killer is like circling the house, and it's all about her like survival through the night. That's that's so. But the the editing of it is like because it keeps on switching between her perspective of like just hearing her breathe mm. to like the sound that anyone else would hear. And it's it's only about an hour fifteen minutes long, but it's absolutely incredible. And that's on Netflix. On Netflix. I feel like I've got to watch that. It's, it's really good. Mm. Uh, yeah, contemporary horror films. I feel like they're very hit and miss. Mm. I feel like you only get maybe one good horror film, and then like the rest are like either predictable or really corny. Like I'm not I'm not excited at all about the fact that there's a new Saw film. Like you know, Saw's not yeah. been good since the first two films. I didn't even bother with like the last couple of them, but I, I just. Knew. I've only seen. I haven't seen any of the saws in years. It was like, I, would, I only really watched them when we would get together with like college mates and we would watch them just to like freak everyone out. Yeah, and that was it. I think Hostel was the one that we kind of, we kind of put on to freak everyone yeah. out. <laughs> There's a really cute dog that's just walked in for the record, which is why we're kind of going Yeah, absolutely. To <laughs> the dog. Are you on are you on dog spotting on Facebook? 
No, it's a Facebook group where ba- people basically take pictures of dogs in public. Yes, hello. <laughs> it's a Facebook group where pe- people take pictures of dogs in public, and there are actual like set rules. There are hundreds of thousands of people in this group, and uh, basically they give ratings to dogs that are just spotted and have pictures taken of. I've taken part of that in it a few times, but I feel like I always need to ask the owner. I've, I've seen um, uh, Connor and Ben post a few yeah. times and yeah. like, it's come up on my newsfeed a few times but it's the best yeah. it's, it should be an Olympic sport everyone's dog like dog spotting everyone's like what's your favourite sport and I'm like dog spotting <laughs> <laughs> but yeah back to horror films I yeah I feel like there's only one really sort of good one maybe every year or so I feel like the sort of crime thrillers are now getting better in, in its place yeah See, I, I'm a big lover of like old horror films. So, like, uh, Psycho, I absolutely love. Like, Alfred Hitchcock is <laughs> love him. Um, and The Shining is just what probably in my top ten films ever. Like, like not just horror films, like top ten, top films. ten films. It was Kubrick's best film, hands down. Yeah. Maybe apart from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, I feel like that's yeah. kind of tied for Kubrick's best. He's just his films are just incredibly odd, but just perfect. Yeah. Um, say the same with like Tim Burton. Mm. Uh, Tim um, Burton was like such a great writer director. But yeah. What, what's your What's your favourite Tim Burton film? A film called Big Fish. Really? Okay. Wow. I haven't actually seen it. That's like one of the only Tim Burton films that I haven't seen. Hugh McGregor. I, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting too much. Yeah. From it. Um, but such like amazing cast. The storyline is weird and amazing at the same time. But then Hugh McGregor is great in it as well. Yeah. That's on Netflix, I think. I feel like Tim Burton needs to get back to his... I feel like he's had a little bit of a rubbish streak over the last few years, and he needs to kind of get back to making, like... I'd love for him to do another Batman film. I know that's never going to happen, but... That would be I'd love the Beetlejuice 2 rumours to be true. See, I've never seen Beetlejuice. I, I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but I had a childhood fear of Beetlejuice. Really? Yeah. It's because... Okay, so we're going to get into this, right. Um, So you know when, like, films on... When you watch a film on the telly in the middle of the day, they usually just cut the credits out entirely or have, like, a very short version of the credits? Mm -hmm. My parents recorded Dumbo off the telly for me when I was a kid, not like the other day. Yeah. (laughs) When I was, like, three years old, they recorded Dumbo off the telly and they just skipped the credits entirely. You know, the the circus carriage pulls away, Dumbo's back with his mother, the film ends... And then I don't know whether it just cut the credits entirely or like it just cut to the next part of whatever was on the film, but it was a trailer for Beetlejuice and it's the bit where I, you haven't seen the film, but I'm sure you've seen the thing where his head spins around. Oh, yeah. That, seeing that as a three year old scared, no, scared me to death until I was about 15 years old. It's when I, when I find where my mum was like, Beetlejuice is on the telly, do you want to watch it? And at that yeah. point, I could actually look at it, look at yeah. the DVD cover, which I couldn't do before. Oh, wow. 
and just and just kind of go yeah and if I don't like it I don't like it we'll turn it off and it was brilliant and I was like what what was there to be it's a brilliant film it's probably my favourite Tim Burton film if it weren't it would Scissorhands I do love that yeah that's a great film <laughs> Um, it's not spicy I, I liked Frankenweenie. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a bad film actually. I I I'm really skeptical of like animations as well. So mm. it's like, but I, I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Frankenstein as a book was like I love I love it. But um, so watching that was interesting. Mm. I um, everyone always goes oh what's your favourite Tim Burton film and they go Nightmare Before Christmas and then I go yeah no 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 and then I go I have to kind of like rain on their parade by going Tim Burton didn't actually direct that one he just produced it yeah it's like how everyone goes like Quentin Tarantino directed From Dusk Till Dawn and I went no he just produced it I feel like yeah. Feel like I'm being like the film Nazi. You, you, you've got to set people straight, so sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> your movie knowledge is wrong. Yeah. Work on your trivia. <laughs> this coffee was delicious, by the way. I feel like we should go for. A, feel like we should go for a top up. Shall we go for? Would you like something else to drink? I'm up for trying one of those. Yeah, one of these. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, okay, we're gonna set the phone down there and take an intermission while we get new coffee. Hey guys, so I hope you're enjoying my chat with Joe Booley. There's still plenty more to come, especially about uh, Joe's label Beth Shalom Records and his work as a singer-songwriter. So make sure you stay tuned. And while you wait for me to get more coffee, how about subscribing to Bitchin' Brew if you haven't done so already? We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Acast. I'll be leaving links in the description for you to go and subscribe on each of those platforms. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you are really liking today's show, then maybe you could leave a nice little review. Uh, I only realised recently that reviews are incredibly important for independent podcasts like this one. So if you are feeling generous, then any praise that you can give uh, to your friends on social media or on the Apple Podcasts app is hugely appreciated, as I'm sure I don't need to explain uh, on here. But uh, anyway, we are going to be diving back into the chat with Joe, but I do want to play a um, another track from him. This is actually the flip side of the double A side single that I was talking about earlier. We obviously played Outgrew at the start of the show. Uh, this is the flip side of it. It's called I Wonder. And Joe's going to be selling uh, tapes of Outgrew slash I Wonder uh, on his tour, which starts, if you are listening to this episode as it's fresh, uh, it starts today, the November the 9th, 2017 he's going to be at the globe brighton uh with the band curl and they're going to be heading to the social in london on the 10th of november and then the loft in portsmouth on the 11th of november and then a little bit later on in the month he's going to be heading up north with another beth shalom band parachute for gordo and on the 24th of november they're going to be at falcon's tap in york uh, on the 25th they're going to be at the meat locker in leeds and on the 26th they're going to be at Maguire's in Liverpool as I do understand Joe will have cassette copies of Outgrew slash I Wonder his new double A-side single on Baby Blue and Baby Pink 
cassettes. So uh, I've seen little preview pictures of them and I'm finding it difficult to choose which one I want to order myself, which I'm going to be doing so on Beth Shalom's official web store. Again, I will leave a link in the description. God, you're going to have so many links to click on. It's going to be so interactive and fun. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll go right back into the chat with Joe Booley after I play this wonderful new single from him. Uh, this is called I Wonder. So yeah, while we wait for our new beverages, um, I feel like we should talk a little bit more about the music that you've been putting out on Beth yeah. Shalom, because you've recently had a massive cassette sale, which I sort of splurged on a little yeah. bit. Um, I don't know if that sale will still be on by the time this podcast's out, but you should, you know, if you are listening, you should definitely go and check out the array of cassettes on sale there. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I was very surprised, because obviously I picked up the... I told you I'd eat you EP yeah. when that kind of came out and then the drawstring EP and obviously I think listening to those I was like oh cool Beth Shalom's like a really cool emo and Indian sort of you know yeah. uh, punk rock label but 
then I kind of started to go a little bit further in on some of the you know, cassettes that I bought recently and realised that it's not quite pigeonholed into that singular genre. No. So what what would you say was the sort of the primary genre that you that you kind of went into Bethlehem with uh, um, the idea of putting out? I didn't. If there was one. No. To be fair, there's. I ultimately want Bethlehem to be a um, representation of what I listen to. Yeah. Uh, um, myself and for myself, I I, I play like slow ambient stuff similar mm. to like Julian Baker, Damien Rice, Keaton Henson and then I like I'm also big into hardcore and so yeah. it's like um, it's almost finding I, I don't I don't want a pigeon hole with the label as such because then that limits what I can then show yeah. interest in almost um, but yeah I don't I don't want it to have a specific genre if that makes sense it, is it like a one man thing entirely yeah yeah like, everything <laughs> all done all done from home and yeah yeah because when I was when Connor was on the podcast from Failure by Design obviously he does it with Ben and they're you know they, they talk for a long time about do we like this band and they'll they'll sort of you know, spitball bands between yeah. one another for, for ages until like one of them actually listens to the stuff that they send each other. Yeah. Do, do you kind of have an A and R process in a way that like when you're looking at bands that you want to that you want to put out music? Yeah. What, what what's your kind of process? Do you go and see them live first, or what? what, what um, how, how do you kind of come about these bands? Many different ways. Uh, so more often than not, it will be people sending me music or um, me, me discovering previous releases and knowing they're recording another yeah. um, it will work like that and then there's, it's quite difficult where I live because it's not like I can just go out and listen to a band that I want to sign I have to like pay 20 or 25 pounds to go all the way up to London or go down to Southampton yeah. and stuff like that so it's, it's sometimes quite difficult to see someone live but then that's when promoting comes comes in great ease because I can then put them on uh, and that's what I did a couple of times in Guildford and uh, down in Pompey I, I would put a band on and then see what I think and how they would fit on the night that I'm putting on myself mm. so yeah it's I, I sort of go through weird processes there's been like there's been some bands where I've worked with them on projects for over a year and then other bands where they've sent me music one day and I've put pre-orders up the next day wow because I it's, it's quite useful being a one man operation in that sense because if the I can literally sit down, listen to it maybe like two or three times and like completely fall in love with it and mm. know that I want to put it out and I'll be like, yeah. right, you want to announce tomorrow. And there's like... Do, do bands get kind of like a little bit uh, jittery when you do that because they're like, oh, we're not ready to announce this. Like, Not really. It's like... Because I... As a musician, I'm quite impatient with myself. <laughs> uh, but I, I think if you're, if you're proud of a product, like mm. why, why not get out? Yeah, as soon as possible. And almost like you'll find that 
there's almost quite an organic process, especially with fans. If it's something like, right, we're there's here's this announcement, mm. um, and that I, I absolutely love that about the DIY community because everyone is so supportive of of each other. Yeah. Um, especially within bands. Um, but yeah, I admittedly like those sort of releases it may be that it is a re-release or just a one-off thing mm. um, that doesn't necessarily need too much yeah. build up but like even then I wouldn't be able to do that if it was two or three people on the team it would have to go through like a longer process of like validation and whatnot. could um, you ever see Beth Shalom expanding to include more people uh, potentially um but I think I think it would it would still probably be more me uh, <laughs> doing so. Um, but maybe people taking on certain roles like PR and yeah. whatnot, stuff like that. Um, that's all I can see it expanding to. Mm. Yeah. Um, currently, but yeah, uh, it's it's just a lot of fun and ultimately what I want to do uh, full time. Yeah, oh, I mean, I, th- I think that's kind of the yeah. aspiration of uh, you know yeah. every sort of record label, at least to work for another record label while you're doing your own thing as well. Yeah. Like you know, doing a full time thing for a record label. I mean, what what when you, when you say oh we're going to put this out on cassette or we're going to put this out on like you know a seven inch vinyl? What what role do the bands kind of play in saying well we want to put it out on this color cassette or we want to put it out on this format entirely? Do you kind of go to them and go, I've got this really cool idea, we'll put it out on this format in this colour? Or do they kind of go to you and go, we want to put it out on a splatter cassette or a splatter vinyl or something? Um, Format itself, I usually, depending on what situation I'm in at that point, I'm like, right, I I can do these, what what do you fancy? And I sort of leave the format up to the band almost and if I'm able to do something a bit more um, something like vinyl as opposed to cassette then I'm all down for that Um, but then when it comes to like colour design and whatnot that is totally down to the band I say I I will have an input and say I think like due to the colour scheme with the artwork this colour could be amazing Um, but otherwise it's completely down to them Mm. Um, I being an artist myself is I I completely get creative control and like want bands to have that as much as possible so yeah. I don't want it like I would hate for that to be taken away from me so I hate I would hate to take that away from anyone right. else do you, do you have a format that you like to work with in particular like is cassette the one for you um I don't I, I'd love to be doing vinyl all the time um, yeah. but obviously funds don't always allowed to do yeah allow that to happen um, but um, cassette is an incredibly convenient format and I love it to pieces like yeah. the, the sound is like the cassettes that are getting made now the sound is really good in comparison they used to be crap though didn't they they yeah, used to be absolutely so shocking I think the, you know without going too much into like the finances behind it all is is cassette like the, the cheapest of them to make uh, as opposed to vinyl and CD yeah 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 for sure mm. like, it's also it's I'd probably argue it's the coolest because you can do more with it like yeah. the splatter cassettes like 
you couldn't just put paint on a vinyl. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Exactly. So <laughs> it might play, you know, might not play so well. <laughs> but the, I say that, and then the Failure by Design guys uh, with the guillotine record earlier this year screen printed the, yeah. the B side, and I'd never seen that done before. And I've I've only that. seen a few bands do that. The uh, guys in Wallflower just did it with their building, yeah. and that is a beautiful, beautiful yeah. uh, record, especially like the the screen print of it. Yeah. And um, Nick from Hanger Records just put out the cassette version of it, oh, so I had to sit on that as well. On it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I, f- I feel like people are going into cassettes more. I-, I have a theory, right? It's because millennials can only afford shit cars. <laughs> millennials can only afford shit cars, and as a result, they don't have CD players, they have tape decks. It's a bit yeah. like the in betweeners, you know, when yeah. Simon gets a car. I used to have a little fear. Like, <laughs> right, I've got a fear. Oh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a blue 2005 Fiat Punto. It's my first car, I only passed my test earlier this year, and um, uh, it does have a tape deck, and I was like, oh, whoa, I want a CD player, I want an aux cord. Wait, when I was choosing uh, my current car, I, I almost made the decision solely on the fact it had a cassette, a cassette deck, no, no joke, like, it had to have that. Yeah, cassettes are the only place, uh, like, my car is the only place I can listen to cassettes, but I feel like now... Um, through buying cassettes and because it is an addictive thing where cassettes are pretty cheap to buy and especially when they're on sale (laughs) especially when they're on sale like you know before we came here I actually popped down the road to Sounds I don't know if you've ever been to that place like the second hand vinyl and CD store just like literally down the road oh yeah just past what was Alberita is that the one with the big Elvis yeah Elvis I, I picked up this actually for one pound the best of Phil Lynn and Thin Lizzy and then I was like oh that's really cool and then I open it and it's got like this cool sort of bluey grey colour on it and I feel like they're just so easily digestible cassettes yeah. I think and as a result they become really addictive to buy I feel like millennials just having rubbish cars with rubbish tape decks is the reason they start buying tapes again yeah well, you, f- you find that even major labels are putting out on cassette now mm. Like, and one day cassette store day will become just majors taking over. But no, I'm joking. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, re- do you feel like record store days kind of become? There's a bit of a debate, isn't it? The record store day is now just like a major label thing now. I think, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I think. <laughs> I can't. It, yeah. <laughs> I think that's as much like you need to go into that conversation. Yeah, no. like, there's a lot of factors in it, I suppose. Maybe another conversation for another time. Yeah. What, like I was saying earlier, with the you know picking up the tapes and getting to know the sort of different genres of Beth Shalom, I think the one that surprised me most was the lowercase noises. Oh, yeah. what, what was it like putting that one out? That must have been such a sort of a, 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 light, a light bulb moment in terms of wow, this is really sort of stepping, putting a, a 68 minute album on a single cassette or whatever. That was, to be fair, that that entire release was um, pretty surreal because uh, I, if you know lowercase noises, he's. You doing this one? Yeah. He, he got his fame by putting up ambient guitar videos on YouTube and some of them are racking up to millions and millions of views. See, I'd never heard of this guy before, really? but he's from Albuquerque in New Mexico, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and he's 
by far the biggest person I've ever done anything for. Um, and I, the album this is for this is for our sins. Uh, he he put out I think it was in 2014, and he'd run out. He'd done it on like double LP and run out. And there wasn't any sign of any more physicals being done ever with the record, even though people continued to ask for it. Yeah. And I I listened to the record and I just I think I had it on loop for and that was all I listened to for about a week. And it got to a point where I was like I I emailed him and his manager and I was like, right, I've got this idea. Um, and after not hearing back for two months and completely forgetting about him, the manager gets back and was like, yeah, we'd love to. And it was like an absolutely incredible moment. I was, at, I was at work and I was like completely just like shaking with excitement. Yeah. But um, for, for people that haven't heard this record, I mean, when I, because the way I did it was I listened to one song and if I liked the song, I'd write the cassette. Yeah. So I listened to the first song and it's the sort of, it's the choral introduction. It's quite dark and sort of ambient and sort of swelling. And I was like, this is going to build up to something really huge. I want to wait to hear the record when I get it yeah. in physical form. And then it kind of completely flips it on its head from there and turns into like this... You know, I was expecting a big, bombastic, progressive rock record. You know, what you get is actually a, a very ambient, long drawn out, orchestral um, soundscape. It's gorgeous. Do, do, are, are you like me, where you listen to it and you're drawing a storyboard in your head for what? Yeah. You know, the, the, the concept, of course, yeah. being the. The Russian family you, being isolated. Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. You know, the Ru the Russian family being out in the wilderness for forty years until they're discovered in the nineteen seventies by geologists. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I start to draw out the storyboard in my head. Yeah, it is. Right, it's it's an incredible record, and like the the story behind it is is pretty inspirational as yeah. well. But the it's incredibly cinematic in itself, so it almost lends itself to giving you those images and mm. I, um, letting you imagine the whole story. Um, but yeah, that that record is... I still don't know how I managed to put that out. Um, Was that like one of your favourite releases to put out, if not the, the one? Um, I'm putting you on the spot here by making you pick one one of your favourite records that you've put out. To be fair, I I I know what my favourite record is. Is I don't know whether it's unfair to say. Um, Go ahead, man. I'm sure the bands won't judge. Uh, I'm not your fault, but I told you already. There we go. That is. It's incredible, isn't it? Wow, that band. That is. We need to get Joey on here for like a full podcast sometime because when we did the albums podcast, it was kind of we were talking about our albums of the year, so there was very little talk about the band. But yeah, that, putting out that because you did a second press for it, right? Yeah, I did second press uh, at the end of summer for the Art Tangent shows. Wow. So yeah, yeah. That's part of the sort of obsession of, you know, getting more than one copy of a, of a, of a record, isn't yes. it? You know, getting it because it's a different colour or whatever. I've never bought the same record twice because of the different colours. Yeah. But um, I've maybe, like, bought the same record twice because it's got bonus stuff on it. Certainly in CD case, yeah. but... 
buying tapes now more than I buy CDs or I buy vinyl, yeah. uh, which I still do buy. Um, I find myself buying my old favourite records because if I don't have them on tape, I feel like I don't have them at all. Yeah. See, I bought because um, my my car it didn't have an aux lead or anything, yeah. and uh, I bought the. The last 1975 records, uh, I like it when you sleep, and specifically so I can listen to it in my car. Yeah, um, it's a great record. I feel like it, it took me a long time to warm to it though. Yeah, no, definitely. It was like almost, it was quite a sudden shift yeah. in sound. Uh, so for sure, uh, especially like their their EPs are still like. Probably my favourite thing they've ever done. Um, uh, yeah, I'd say like, that. And so, it, they're on the part with like the first album yeah. for like, you know, I think the first album is is gold. But you know, yeah. But I think, but the the thing that the difference for me between the first and second album is, I feel the second album is a lot more concise as a piece of work mm. because if you think about it, the first records. They've been a band for a decade, and that was almost like a collection of songs yeah. for that decade, as opposed to being written for a specific purpose of being a piece of work. Whereas the second record, it was very much, oh, we're writing this because it's the second album. Yeah. Instead of we're writing because we're writing. Um, I love how bombastic the second record gets as well. Like, you know, Love Me sounds like the. It's like, I, I, I was trying to explain to a friend the other day, I hadn't heard it, and I was saying their song Love Me is a bit like that mashup of Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel and Fame by David Bowie that you never asked for. Yeah. Like, that's a mashup you never asked for, yeah. but you didn't realise how much you needed it in your life. But for me, it's when it gets to that guitar solo, and the guitar solo alone is like... It's ludicrous. Trippy as, but like, like uh, that record is amazing. And the song um, Ballad of Me and My Brain is like... Genius. <laughs> Absolutely love it. The Matty Healy Appreciation Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously we're saying about I Told You I'd Eat You's record. What what have been some other real uh, highlights in terms of releases for you? Um, that's really difficult, actually. Um, obviously, the the first drawstring record, that was um, quite a big step forward. Uh, for me, especially that being the first vinyl I'd ever put out as well, and working with so many labels. Um, another record, I, I, last week I put out a record by a band called Curl. Um, yes. Half, half of which are from Portsmouth, and the other half are from the south of France in Nice and Marseille. Wow. Um, and they're, they're a band that I've been working with behind the scenes since maybe June June last year on that record so I've been in that's probably the release that I've been most engrossed with like out of any that I've done um, I'm on like my 40th release so it's like over three years that's yeah well going from like 10 last June to 40 in December I think like 
Well, of you. obviously you're putting out the Pet Library EP on tape. Yeah, on uh, album. Pet, yes, sorry, the album. Yeah, sorry. Um, and uh, I've obviously heard it's a great record because it came out earlier this year on a friend of the podcast, Kate Coulson's Above the Waves yeah. label. Um, and I've always been really interested to ask like people who run labels when you know a different label is doing the initial release of something yeah. and another label is picking it up to put on another format I feel like would a few years ago would that have seemed like a sort of a competition between the labels whereas now it feels more like a collaborative effort it's definitely a collaborative effort I mean like I, I, I went to the Pet Library guys initially with the idea since um, it's their album but, yeah. and then they went through with Kate and it was sort of that was one of those releases where, where it was like I had the idea on I think it was the Friday and by the Sunday it was like yeah let's, let's do this um, and then at the end of that week announced the pre-orders so that but again, that's that. That was a re re-release almost. So it's the process is always quicker with that. There's not as much build up. But yeah. um, I don't I don't feel there should be any competition within labels. I mean, uh, anyone that has spoken to me online about or like asked me questions regarding the label know that I'm I'm happy to um, let people eat, even if it's just someone who's starting their own label to let them know who who my suppliers are for certain things because yeah. at the end of the day if if I'm able to see the scene grow surely that's ultimately what what should be happening rather than yeah. seeing oh yeah it should never be like a case of being pissed up against other labels in terms of who's the better label it should yeah. be you know you, you should be able to support all these labels yeah, exactly. and if you do support all these labels the labels will support you especially if you know you're in my position where you're a member of the press and they'll go yeah. oh you really like that label you'll like our label too we're, we're, it's like a network and once you get into that network it opens up so many doors to you yeah and especially like nowadays you're um and I've done a few releases like it you'll find that smaller labels if they're doing like a, a vinyl release they get their team up with maybe four possibly five labels and mm. from around the world and just put out the record collaboratively um, uh, yeah. and do it like that and that's something I did with the drawstring record the You Could Be A Cop record I, I think that had ten labels on wow. um, across the world because they're doing like different regions and stuff yeah, yeah so like American labels or like mainland Europe yeah exactly. mainland European labels um, and <coughs> I, I'm yeah and I'm doing the same with my own record next year teaming up with other labels with yeah. that and so it's it's, it's great to see how everyone works together within it and it's not like oh I have to do this yeah I'm admittedly like I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to that sort of thing so I like being quite hands on but yeah. um, no as, as long as the scene grows and flourishes then yeah isn't that what everyone should want <laughs> but, yeah so there we go, a super interesting chat uh, wrapping up 
Bitchin' Brew episode number 12. Thanks to Joe Booley. His label is called Beth Shalom Records. Uh, if you head over to their website now, that's bethshalomrecords.com, uh, you can go in his store and you will see music there for sale for as little as £1. Their CDs, cassettes, uh, vinyl, and there's some uh, cool Beth Shalom Records t-shirts in there for cheap as well. Uh, one of the latest releases to just go up, as I've mentioned, is Joe's new double A-side single. Uh, it's called Outgrew slash I Wonder. We played both tracks from it earlier on in the podcast. Uh, and that is available to get on the Beth Shalom store now for just £3. It comes in a baby pink variant and a baby blue variant on cassette. Lovely, lovely stuff indeed. Uh, thanks for listening. If you did uh, like this episode, then give us a, a subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Acast. Maybe give us a good review too. We're on Facebook, that's uh, facebook.com forward slash b.brewcast or twitter.com forward slash bitchinbrewcast uh, or just at bitchinbrew is probably an easier way to say it, isn't it? Uh, if you are in a band and you would like to premiere your new song on Bitch and Brew Podcast, uh, then it hit me up with an email. Uh, my email address is a b.brewcast at gmail.com and we can uh, we can talk there. I'm open to all sorts of genres. We've had track premieres in the past from uh, The Sour Taste and Venture and Foe, uh, so hopefully you can join that growing list of artists with any luck uh, by the end of 2017 we will have two more new episodes out one of them's already in the bag and that was recorded with guy and alessio from the band acid tongue uh, from the united states of america recorded that when they came over on their recent uk tour was very fun indeed then it will come to the end of the year, and back by popular demand will be the Albums of the Year special. I've just locked in my guests for that. You'll be able to find out all about who my guests will be on the next episode of Bitchin' Brew, so make sure you're subscribed to find out first. Thank you very much. This has been the Bitchin' Brew podcast, and I'd like to round it off today, not necessarily with the track premiere, but just going back to the EP or the release from Beth Shalom Records, I should say, that Joe said has been his personal favourite so far. Certainly one of my favourite records that Beth Shalom has put out, as well as my friends over at Failure by Design Records. This comes from the I Am Not Your Fault EP from the band I Told You I Would Eat You. It's the opening track. I hope you like it. It's called Off Brand. Cheers, guys, and until next time, peace out.
Wasn't my